0: Hello and welcome to the Vivolution podcast. Vivolution is a global organization promoting plant-powered positive change through events and a wide range of content created to inspire you. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by positive change makers leading the way in shaping a better future. Jenny Mustard is one of the world's leading thinkers on low-impact fashion and minimalism. During this in-conversation, Jenny and Clara Hermit discuss the minimalist lifestyle, what it's like working with your significant other, her YouTube career, and dealing with criticism online. This talk was recorded on the VVolution stage at Vivolution Festival 2019.
1: So I'm about to start an in conversation with, basically just a chat, with Jenny Mustard. She's a minimalist YouTuber, fashion blogger, vegan food blogger, a design lover, and she does all of that with her husband, David, who's here as well. He's just hiding from us, but he is here. He is present. Well,
2: he's my fiancé, technically, oh. not my husband, but okay, one day, hopefully. It's going
1: to happen. I've put it out there now. <laughs> You're getting married. Let's talk about that. Um, what? So, Jenny, let's get started with you and YouTube. You've got a huge YouTube t- channel. You have a big following. What was it that made you want to start? Doing YouTube,
2: um, so it started actually as a clothing website. Yeah, uh, I was selling vintage clothes, and then um, I just thought that you know taking photos and expressing myself was more fun than the actual selling and sourcing vintage stuff. So I started doing Instagram, and then David uh, is a uh, he studied film and TV production. Yeah, so he was like, maybe we should stop making videos. So we started oh. making vegan cooking videos, and then he just kind of escalated from there.
1: It's pretty handy that you had him then, because yes. then it's like you. You can come up with the ideas, and then he can be the creative behind making those videos, making them look good, doing the, the, the horrible job that is editing as well. Well, I
2: mean, we we, uh, we do it both. Right, okay. We, we, so kind of, we kind of we like to push the annoying things on the other person, so, mm. you know.
1: What's your favorite thing about doing YouTube, would you say?
2: I think it's the just the um, kind of community feel that you get, just the... Um, it's such a social thing even though it's just me you know by myself with David in a room and looking at a camera you get so much interaction with people that you would never ever have would have met otherwise Mm. and you know if I just ask a question in a video I would get like you know so many answers from different people all around the world and it's very It's very cool, weird, and super inspiring.
1: When you started YouTube, did you expect that you would get that audience and that following, or was it just like, oh, let's just start this and see what happens, and it just grew organically, or did you kind of have a plan?
2: Let's just say I had a dream. Yeah. But plan is maybe a bit strong, Mm -hmm. but we always had like 100K on YouTube. It was like a a mirage for us. Ah. So when we hit that milestone, it was really, you know, such a cool feeling.
1: What did you do to celebrate? Did you do anything in particular? Can you remember?
2: remember? we probably did like a celebration video you said thank you and then you know champagne
1: yeah of course obviously why wouldn't you Um, so let's talk about minimalism when did your love of minimalism begin
2: um I actually, I didn't like find minimalism. It was more like I was kind of born this way, I think. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was always like a natural state of like trying to simplify everything. I have like a very, you know, overactive brain. Like Mm. I overthink things. So for me, it's always uh, really nice to kind of try to streamline and, you know, peel off all the unnecessary layers just to have a calmer life. Um, So then when I heard about the concept minimalism Mm. as a lifestyle concept, I always thought minimalism was like an aesthetic yeah so when I heard about it I was like oh this is what I am so Mm. it was more like coming home and like Ah. you know finding a concept that was you know fitted me yeah yeah
1: so you were kind of already living it and then you found this definition and you think right that's exactly so for people who don't know what that means can Mm -hmm. you explain a little bit to us about what that lifestyle is like and how sure. it works. Uh,
2: I think it's it's so uh, individual. And that's one of the things I really love about minimalism is that there isn't like, you know, a, s- a certain set of rules right. or... Because it's not an ethical choice. It's not like being vegan where it's like, you're vegan, you don't eat meat. Mm-hmm. But if you're a minimalist, you can do more or less whatever you want. It's not like... So it's very like... um. It's more about like, if you think about your life, what is annoying you? And then yeah. reducing that. Mm-hmm. So it's like... um. I think, you know, you think about minimalism as being less, but for me it's more about if I know what I really love in life and what my passions are, I want to reduce everything else so that I have, like, time and energy and money enough to put on the things that I'm really passionate about and that I really love.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the benefits of a minimalist lifestyle for you? Because obviously we know it's different for everyone.
2: No, I think that's it, that I feel like I have enough time to do my job, which I love. I have enough time for David whom I also love.
1: Um,
2: I have enough time to read. That's a passion of mine. And, you know, like, um, I have enough money to spend on my wardrobe because fashion is a passion for me. I don't want to spend money on... I want to spend money on food, traveling, and clothes. And that's it, basically. So then I don't, like... I don't own a car. I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to just have a default life. Yeah. I want to prioritize, like asking myself what I really want mm. and then going after that.
1: It's really weird because I think when I think of that term of uh, of minimalist, mm-hmm. I think of kind of somebody living in a like, you know, an apartment that's got just like a bed, a table, a chair. And then they open their wardrobe and they've got like one T-shirt, one jumper, one pair of trousers, yeah. one pair of socks, maybe two pairs of pants. Um, but that's not what it is.
2: I mean, I think th- maybe those are the kind of minimums we see yeah. because the, the more extreme you are obviously the more interesting you are yeah. online. Like, oh, wow, that's like, look at my weird lifestyle kind of. <laughs> uh, and, and like when I started doing minimalist videos, I had a really weird lifestyle mm. because I did like, I was living out of a suitcase. I was moving between countries. I didn't have a home for like, I don't know, over a year. I was mm. just moving from Airbnb to Airbnb. So it made sense for me to start talking about it then because I was living such a an, ex- in a, an extreme way yeah. as an experiment kind mm. of. Uh, but now I have like a... Maybe on a normal flat that would m- maybe be a bit of an exaggeration because I do like things to be white and clean and quite yeah. sparse but it's not like the dentist office, I don't mm. think it is anyway I'm mm. not sure what everyone else thinks but
1: What I find really interesting and, and when you were talking about um, minimalism is uh, th- the fact that you talk about your mind activity as well as it, you know those two things are kind of linked that this idea of having the more stuff we have the more stuff we have to worry about yeah. um, and then kind of you know getting rid of that and siphoning it off and narrowing down what it is that we focus on almost kind of takes away some of that mind chatter.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's that's exactly it for me. Um and I think for everyone who, who is kind of like scatterbrained and have two thousand ideas all the time yeah. I can't <laughs> shut off their rain. Like for instance, going to bed, I can't sleep if like my room is super messy and there's colours and patterns everywhere. It just like agitates me more. Mm-hmm. So I need to like just make sure the the tidier it is, the more I can just like let my brain kind of calm down and yeah. and
1: all of that. I need you to teach me some of that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about you and David because obviously he's a, a big part of of what you do. You do it together. How did you and David meet? Uh,
2: the kid friendly version is <laughs> the kid friendly version. We, uh, <laughs> Are we all adults here? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 had mutual friends. Let's
1: okay. just leave it at that. Okay. Um, I know there's more to this story, and I feel like I want to tell press you in you. the green room. Right? Okay. Okay. And then I'll tell it now. I won't tell everybody else <laughs> honestly. Um, what I have to ask you is, what is it like being a, a couple that works together? Because obviously, uh, one thing is one thing being in a relationship together, but when you're working together, that's a completely different relationship altogether.
2: Sure is, sure is. Um, so, I mean, for us, it was always the goal to yeah. work together. So it was a plan; it didn't just happen. Uh, because I feel like, you know, if you if you think about, you spend eight nine hours every day at work, mm-hmm. and then you know, when you're older and one of us dies, I don't want to be like that was you know, time wasted when we weren't together. So I wanna squeeze out as much as possible uh, of our time together, so that's basically why. Also, we work really well together, I mean, we have stressed out days and those days you know aren't fun mm. and those days i wish we didn't work together mm. but most of the time it's just a dream yeah uh, it's so much fun and i think like whenever i talk about this um with other couples it's like 80 percent of the other couples i talk to are like i could never do that and 20 percent are like oh that would be so cool so i think it's, it's kind of like um a division between couples who really really want to work together and be in each other's shit all the time and yeah. people who are like oh it's healthy to have some distance
1: yeah so I think different types of people yeah require different types of relationships don't yeah, they yeah. your communication though must have to be really good because I know I work with my best friend mm-hmm. and there's been times where little things have kind of happened that I haven't spoken to her about instantly mm-hmm. and then that tiny thing turns into this big monster of a thing which if we've learned now that if something's kind of annoying us, we just sit the other person down and just kind of say it. Yeah. um, And you kind of learn how to work with people and around people.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're really different, David and I, in our, like, the way we like to communicate. Yeah. So I have to try to remember his way and he tries to remember the way I like to talk, (laughs) but, you know we're only human doesn't always work yeah yeah i mean we've been together for i think 13 years now so obviously we know each other quite well
1: yeah and and being together all of that time as well yeah spending that time together you definitely do (laughs) so you've traveled quite a lot where would you say is your favorite country for vegan food is that going to be tough yeah do you have one um no i don't think i do do you guys have one does anyone have a favorite country for vegan food Poland? Oh, Poland. I've heard okay.
2: that. I've never been, but i heard it's really good. I mean, I think that every country, or maybe not every country, but m- most countries yeah. I've been to have, like, really good, like, their own speciality. Like, for instance, Taiwan has, like, amazing dumplings. Yeah. Or, like, uh, Japan has, like, the like the freshest, best fruit and veg I've ever yeah. heard. And, like, um, in Berlin, where I used to live, they have amazing vegan Vietnamese food, which is, like, you know, a bit random. But, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, UK... Greg's sausage rolls. I oh, we're in,
1: and they're coming. They're doing a vegan steak bake as oh, well. Really? So you know, life's looking good for Have all of us. Have you tried the,
2: the? I haven't actually. No. Have you? No, I haven't tried it.
1: Oh, we need to go. I we need to make a date.
2: Po- I don't understand the point with a sausage roll, though. It seems so dry.
1: Yeah. Is it? Have you tried one? Never. Don't knock it till you try it, all love. Right, all right. Um, no, they are. It's kind of like one of those things that I remember. I mean I've been vegan for four and a half years but as a child it was like my favourite thing because the idea is that you have it warm and it's that kind of flaky pastry mm-hmm. and then it's got like the, the sausage inside you can you can have a bit of sauce with it you can a bit of ketchup or brown sauce okay, that, that's it selling a bit. it
2: more because I thought it was so, looked so dry like, yeah. and beige no, you know? Yeah,
1: we do like a beige food yeah, in this country yeah, we really yeah, we are a big fan <laughs> of the beige food I have to say actually I travelled in South America and one of the countries that really surprised me was Bolivia mm-hmm. and La Paz and they had um, some amazing restaurants there in fact they had like this five star a la carte vegan restaurant which was just in the middle of La Paz which was just stunning and gorgeous and someone told us about it at a vegan cafe and we went and and so you just you don't know where there's gems you kind of have this idea of countries yeah Yeah. and then you go there
2: how good is that so good
1: yeah it's a lifesaver so what made you want to move to London because you're here
2: I mean isn't the question more like why wouldn't I?
1: The sunshine.
2: Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well you know, for Sweden, so yeah. um no but I think you just think that London is one of those few cities which is more like a planet than a city. Yeah. It's like you get everything from all over the earth, like concentrated into like a spot on the map. Mm. So it's like, I get really easily bored, super easily bored. So I need a place where it's like something's going on and new stuff happening all the time. So Stockholm, which I'm from, is like, it's too boring for me. It's a beautiful city, but I just, I start crawling the the walls. Yeah. Mm.
1: So you need to find somewhere new and then you go and, do you think you'll get, board here and then you'll change because you've lived in a couple of different places and yeah. then you'll go somewhere else or is that always the plan is it a case right, i'm going to stay here for a little bit do what i want to do here mm-hmm. and then there's a, another country to move on to? i mean that's
2: that's my way of doing yeah. life but that's not david's way of okay doing so now it's Lon- london is it that's it I, You're i'm staying. just gonna have to stick
1: it out okay so the next question i don't <laughs> stick it out i don't want you to get in trouble because of this question mm-hmm. um but it's written down so i'm going to ask it all right what is your favorite vegan food in london
2: Ooh. Um, have you guys been to sticks and sushi? Yeah. It's I a, 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 they have like this amazing um, kind of like grilled broccoli that's yeah. uh, almost like charred mm. and uh, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, broccoli, it might sound so boring to say that, like, oh, my, f- my <laughs> favorite <laughs> vegan food is <laughs> <It's> broccoli, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but but it actually, it's is so yummy. Yeah. Just, just make sure that you ask uh, if the sauce is vegan because sometimes they're a bit confused about that bit. Uh, but for like convenience food or like fast food, I do like, it's his dumplings. I'm a huge dumpling. Head, yeah. So I usually go for those. Okay, if I cool. Eat it, like a quick bite.
1: Have you been down to Vegan Nights yet since you've been here? No, you haven't tried it out. Mm. Um, I think is it the first Thursday of every month or the last Thursday of every month? I'm not sure. Um, on Brick Lane, but it's really good because there's loads of different. But isn't that, there. the
2: food the food court in Brick Lane? Isn't that always vegan? Like every some uh,
1: maybe. I'm not entirely sure, Are but you the,
2: should go there for Ethiopian food. That's delicious. Yeah, isn't it? it's so good. Mm. They
1: they're always there, and they're at Greenwich Market as well. But the um, Vegan Nights is kind of a, a collective of all the different vegan right. um, food companies, and there's also music. There's like always all a right. bit of a party. It's mm. quite a good energy, a bit of a vibe. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so maybe check oh, that you, out and yeah, have a little right, look. Right. We're going to go back to YouTube now. What mm-hmm. do you think is the secret to doing well on YouTube? Because a lot of people start YouTube. They have this kind of idea, like you did this, you know, this goal of 100k or mm. whatever the the goal is, and then they might start and it. Just doesn't happen. So, what would you say is that kind of growth? Yeah, we're talking about
2: like so, not having fun, we're talking about numbers now. Okay, so, um, um, you know, like, yeah, I want to say, you know, be consistent and be nice to your followers and all that, but if you really want to talk numbers, yeah, I would have to be a bit more cynical, yeah, and say that is like I would say it's a three part thing Mm. title. Thumbnail mm. and hard work. So wow. if you have like a catching thumbnail mm-hmm. and a good title for that video, that mm. is ninety percent of of growing on YouTube. Mm. If you then have um, a video that kind of backs it up, yeah, like uh, decent quality and entertaining, yeah, then then you're golden.
1: So clickbait, everyone is That's what it. we're going That's for. <laughs> we heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, but I think I mean that definitely works. But I think your your What you're saying is that the video has to be there to back it up. And I think when clickbait doesn't work is when you have this kind of title, someone clicks on it, and then Mm. the video is something completely different, and then the the people are kind of disappointed or a little bit annoyed. I remember
2: one I I fell for this clickbait so hard. It was like, why I don't shower or something like that. I was like, oh, my God, I need to watch this. (laughs) So I clicked it, and the first sentence was like, oh, actually, I do shower. I was like, oh, man. You know, like when they promise something and then they don't deliver... That's like, it's it's hard on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> my you mind boggles. <laughs> no, I've <have>, I definitely <laughs> been there, but it's like, why I don't shower? That's the video I've got to watch. Yeah. Were you planning on not uh, showering? I should, I should probably make that video. Yeah. But then I have to stop showers. So. Yeah. Mm. And I don't think I'd want to be sitting this close to you if you yeah, did. I'd probably yeah. put you over there somewhere and I would just sit up here on my own. Um, let's talk about your book, Simple Matters. Uh, it's a, a beautiful book about the Scandinavian approach to work, home and style. What was your favorite part about creating the book?
2: So it was a very, it was a very, very kind of quick process of Mm. doing it. So it was a lot of running around. But I have this one specific moment that I just loved. And that was, um, we booked this uh, apartment in Girona in Spain. I'm not sure if anyone has been there, but it's like the most beautiful, like parts of Game of Thrones. Like the King's Landing parts, you know, the white kind of stone building. It's so beautiful. So we just booked an apartment there for two weeks. And I just had two weeks of sitting down and just writing. I didn't have to do any other job. Uh, so that has always been like a dream for me to write. And that was like my first kind of author's trip, you know. Mm. So I would just sit there, you know, drinking iced coffee or champagne and writing yeah. away about being a minimalist. It was like, come on. It's this like, can you have a more cozy time? It was amazing. So that was probably my favourite
1: part. That was like the favourite part. Yeah. What's your process? Because I know there's a, another book that you're writing and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But to get into that space, because I think there's a... a as people always say that we've all got one book within us as that kind of saying and I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to write a book but when you actually sit down Mm -hmm. and you're sat in front of like a blank laptop screen or you if you're old school you've got your pen and your pad or a Mm -hmm. typewriter who knew they existed um but you kind of sit there and you're looking at this you've got nothing and then it's like where do I you know where do I start and I've um, spoken to a a lot of authors and I always thought that people had you know like when you see a crime scene board and they've got like the different pictures and there's bits of strings linking all the characters together but a lot of people said to me especially when they're writing fiction that they just literally sit there and the story they don't know how it's going to end yeah they don't know what's going to happen next it just kind of flows through them so with your book was did you have a plan of what exactly it was going to be or was it kind of that flow process
2: well, I mean, I think uh, different people like writing creatively differently. Yeah. Uh, I've tried both ways, like sitting down, blank paper, let's see what comes out. Mm-hmm. And I've also tried super structured, organizing, who's the character, what's the backstory and everything. This time I did it that way, like very organized. Actually, me and David came up with the whole plot and all of the characters together. So just like walking for hours and just talking, what's interesting, what could work, and then writing it down in like a, I don't know, like a spreadsheet yep. kind of thing. And then just I just had to, you know, write the words. So that was so easy, yeah. super easy. But um, I know that a lot of people don't like doing it that way. I would say like if, if the blank page is daunting, mm. just don't start writing before you have a first sentence. Like, right. Just okay. Mull it over while you do the dishes, and then when you have a first sentence, everything else usually kind of just follows.
1: You can start with that first sentence. Yeah. Um. So you just touched on the fact that you're working on a new crime thriller book. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of, bit different from, from the last book <laughs> yeah. can you tell us a bit more about it and what made you want to do this crime thriller
2: well I mean uh, I'm a huge reader I've right. always been reading a lot and um, I read 99% fiction myself and the non-fiction I read is about fiction so I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm into literature Yeah. so for me writing uh, writing a story that I made up myself about characters that I made up myself is I mean can you have more fun than that for me it's just like it's a hobby so um, um, and I thought, you know, Nordic Noir, you know, all, all of these like you know, Scandinavian detectives uh, stories, I thought I could have a go. Mm. And uh, I think that there's like a, a room for me, a space for me, because a lot of the, you know, typical detective stories like you have two main characters. It's like the washed up, you know, detective who doesn't listen to his boss, has a drinking problem, and, yep. you know, needs to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like a, a dead naked woman. that's usually what you have so I thought you know (laughs) there are other people I could write about and maybe that could be interesting in a thriller
1: I'm just just checking the time there Mm because there's a clock oh I can see that clock I thought I couldn't see it. I was looking in the wrong place I just got blinded by the light (laughs) Uh, it sounds it sounds really interesting so what where are you at with that book now is that finished and it's done and people are going to be able to get it
2: draft one is done right I'm working on draft two okay and then we will see what's going to happen see where it goes yeah it's exciting though it's really exciting, and we're we're like thinking about if we, we should self publish. And a lot of people are doing mm. that now, and it sounds really cool to like have your own thing. Or we might go with a publisher. We are we're not sure at all.
1: How do you find, I guess, kind of the the courage to do that? Because I think for a lot of us, mm. I suppose if we look at your life and how you've lived it so far, the fact that it's kind of like you've kept it um, minimalist, and then when you've wanted to start something, you're like, right, I'll just I'll have a go at this. I'll try yeah. this. I'll do this. Yeah. Where do you get? Because I think for me, it would take courage to say right okay people know me as this but now I want to do this yeah so for you what's that process like I guess mentally to go right okay yeah I I'm do, I do this I'm still this but now I want to do something new
2: I think in a way this this might be a bit weird but in a way I need to do like a shout out to the haters because like <laughs> you, hey get hater. so, you get so used to being criticized when you're on YouTube yeah so you kind of stop caring yeah so it gives you the confidence to like oh, if I, if I become ridicule about this, it doesn't really matter that much. If I had fun and, you know, if I like it and, if, you know, if it's my thing, then people are always, you know, I won't please everyone. Mm. It's impossible. So I might as well just have fun and stop caring so much about yeah. what everyone else thinks.
1: And please yourself as well, I guess. That's yeah, important, have, isn't it? you
2: know, you need to have fun. Yeah. You know, that's, that's y- the most important thing.
1: You just touched on there, the haters, because YouTube is that kind of space. Yeah. Even if you <laughs> go from, like, I'm you go, you come from a completely loving space and you make content that you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'm really proud of this. This is really great. Mm. You'll put it up and someone will be like that shit. Yeah. Or, you know, there's always someone there to kind of knock you or to pick on something you didn't even notice <laughs> or your appearance sure. or. So how do you or how have you built kind of that, I guess, that wall between you and that negativity?
2: I don't read comments in the morning. Kay. I don't read comments in the evening. And that's, just
1: in the middle of the day or just not at all? In the
2: middle of the day when I'm like, you know, awake, I had my coffee. Yeah. I'm working on something else, then y- usually it's, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, it does get to you. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how many comments you get, you know. Though if, if you get like a 100 nice comments and then you do get that one, the complaining about something you said or like misunderstood you on yeah. purpose, you know, it does get to you a little bit. I just think that it gets easier and easier to drop it. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, I remember like
1: I was trying to defend myself and explain yeah.
2: myself and like, oh no, I never ever, if anyone complains about something, I never reply to it. I just yeah. like try to brush it off.
1: Do you have to take, just take yourself away? Cause when I think like for me, when people do stuff like that online, I have, if I'm, it angers me or makes me emotional. I have in the past replied from that space which isn't Mm -hmm. a good space to be in risky you
2: shouldn't drink and drive you shouldn't be angry and ever reply to any comments ever yeah similar similar kind of thing
1: but it totally makes sense and I think when for a lot of us we're in that that online world and there there is going to be that kind of negativity that kind of walks its way in some way Mm -hmm. but it's about finding those coping mechanisms and making sure that you you feel good and you have a way out of it so it doesn't allow you to kind of go down a rabbit's hole as such and just disappear into
2: do you ever reply to those kind of comments
1: i think it depends if it's something really silly yeah um i will mm. i think quite often for me a lot of the times it, when in my comment section i'll just get very sexualized oh, so it's okay. kind of like right okay how can i um you know how can i deal with this mm. and f- now as being a, a grown-up i think maybe when i was younger i found it quite difficult but now i'm kind of in a place where a lot of these people their comments aren't particularly intelligent so it just means that i can kind of go back with something that has a little bit of you know basis um but i often find as well if you reply to comments you just encourage more people yeah. to cut co- they're like oh, well, that's how you get attention yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how you so sometimes i think it's just best or you reply to a comment and then someone's like oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't think you were going to read that
2: <laughs> you're like oh you wrote it on your like on your instagram but you know yeah, yeah.
1: so i think uh yeah i think it's kind of best sometimes to just just leave them and walk away from them.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, the block button is just a click away. Yeah. So I do that a lot.
1: Blocked fam. Yeah. I learned from JME. Yeah. That's what I like to do. Um, do you think that the typical Scandinavian way of living is more sustainable than other places like the UK or the US?
2: I haven't thought about that before. Mm. Um I think, like, if you compare Sweden to the UK, it's quite similar. I think maybe, you know, in Sweden, we are a bit better at recycling and that kind of stuff. We, like, the Swedish culture is very kind of politicized, so yeah. like, very woke. You know, it's important mm-hmm. to be woke in mm-hmm. Sweden. But then again, I think, you know, Swedish people eat as much meat as everyone else. And, mm. you know, it's it's winter, the like, proper winter in Sweden. So we go to Thailand, you know, once a year and that kind of thing. So... But I think one uh, difference if you compare it to the US is like the whole like American dream thing is so yeah. like material. It's so like, you know, having two cars and a mansion and mm. filling it with so many things. And that's not like in Sweden, we have quite small houses, small apartments. We don't like, you know, cluttering things. Mm. And so I think uh, in that way, we probably consume a bit less mm. than in, in the US.
1: Where would you say that your kind of sense of drive comes from? Because, and and I guess your self belief as well, because to start something on your own and to say, right, I'm going to do this, you have to have some kind of belief in yourself that this is going to work, that this is going to be good, that people are going to like it. So where would you say that that kind of mindset was cultivated?
2: I think I'm just raised that way. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that way. I just always got so much compliments in, in support. Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, I must be really good. Mm. It's not, not just like because, you know, your parents love you. It's like, no, actually, I'm, maybe I am good at this. So I think that's what's really lucky for me. But um, just like when I started going online, uh, if you, I don't know if you guys remember, like, Lookbook, the Lookbook days? Like when you yeah. posted like a yeah, yeah. photo of your outfit and I was really nervous to try it. And, and when I tried it and I got like nice comments back, it was such a, a boost. Mm. So I think it's like being online and you know, 99% of, of all the reactions you get are positive. Mm. It's such an incredible confidence booster. Mm. So for me, it's like you, I had a good start, but then just like being online has built me up a lot. So... Uh, I know that, like, even if, you know, if I write a book and everyone will hate it, I know that I have a group of people in the world that will love it because I wrote it and we have a, you know, we like each other kind of thing
1: which is so amazing. So we're coming to the end of our talk, but before we go anywhere, I just wanted you to kind of maybe give some advice, maybe your top three pieces of advice to people who are here and who are maybe thinking about, because there's so many different things that you do Mm. um, and they're thinking about doing something that they kind of are really passionate about, but they don't quite have that confidence or that belief or that courage, um, as we mentioned earlier, to take that step Mm. to doing that thing. What would be your advice to those people?
2: Well, I think it's like, when you are in the creative process before Mm. you get the feedback like to not involve anyone else Mm. just to stay in your mind and and uh, because then if you know that i'm not going to show this to anyone i'm just going to do it because it's fun then all those kind of voices of is this going to be good enough are people going to hate it that will just disappear because you never have to show it to anyone it's just for your own sake and then once you're done if you like Put it aside for a week and then look at it again, and you like it, then you will have. It's already done, so you will have probably more confidence to show it. I think it can be a bit scary once you're in the creative process to sh- let other people see what you're doing because you're so sensitive, at, like at least I am. Yeah, I need to like David. Of course, I, I show him everything, but he's he's always he's always like, oh, I love it, oh, I love it. So it's like I know he's not going to say like, oh, this is quite shit,
1: you know? Would he uh, though? Does he tell you the truth if something wasn't if something wasn't great? Would he tell you the truth? Do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, like, he's, he sees it with his David glasses, you know, yeah. like, so it's, he he will love it. He's got Jenny tinted glasses. Even if it glasses. is shit, he yeah. will, he will like it. So it is honest, I think, I hope, yeah. Yeah, but just just checking. Yeah, I, I think it's like, it is honest, but I know it's, he, you know, it, because he loves me, he will see it in another way than normal people would
1: amazing um we've come to the end of our conversation so thank you so much for being here just quickly tell people what you've got coming up for well i guess we're nearly at the end of the year now so you've Mm -hmm. got the book that's coming on anything else that you want to tell people about
2: it's just business as usual youtube we have a podcast together david and i called the mustards if you guys want to listen in and yeah that's it i think
1: okay brilliant thank you everyone so much for listening and for being here the amazing jenny mustard Thank thank you
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us some positive feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. By doing this, you'll be helping get messages about inspirational, positive plant-powered living into people's earbuds. Until the next time, take care, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.